Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I just woke up feeling real dangerous. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your co-host, Kamiam Robbie, and along with my co-host, Jack Shields, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcasts, just Google Podcasts and Stitcher. Give us a five-star review before you're done or after you're done. Just because, you know, we're a good podcast and you deserve to just, you know, do something out there for us. Absolutely. It's good times. But we have a lot of things guys planned for you guys today. I'm stuttering. We have a lot of things planned for you guys today. Uh, a lot of recruiting. A lot of Alex Grinch. More recruiting. Some interesting news. And then we'll just clear it out with some other interesting other news. So, how's your week been so far? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Been a dog sitting for my parents up in Edmond. Uh, he's a good dog slash bad dog, but it's been enjoyable taking him on walks and whatnot. How long does Nick walk? He walks with me for maybe about a mile just to kind of get him going, and then I take him home, and then I walk for another few miles, but it's good. I don't want his feet to hurt or anything like that. It's getting hot outside, so... Yeah, sounds sounds like a sounds like a deal. It's did very you guys, responsible. Did you guys get any storms up there in Edmond? Oh yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, I was uh, fortunately during that little tornado outbreak. Uh, I guess it was Friday night. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm up dog sitting in Edmond, and the tornado it comes pretty damn close to my apartment, so that was a good night to be up there for sure. But I mean, that hit a lot of you know. 23rd Street class and all that stuff. I heard it knocked people down who were at yeah. Cookies, the karaoke bar on 23rd. Yeah. I mean, it apparently blew someone's wig off. Like, I mean, just... Oh, yeah, it's, it's a, awesome. Yeah, kind of a weird story, but like... Uh, or a re- weird uh, recollection from someone on Twitter. That's, I mean... Don't take me at my word for that, but... Uh, uh, sounds like that's something that happened, but... Uh, yeah, weird for a tornado like that to touch down just in a, a very, you know, populated area of Oklahoma City. It's not very common. Yeah, that really weird kind of one that just popped up in El Reno. Yeah, yeah and, and that was like, a bad one, too. There's like, random people at the hotel or motel, whatever it was. Just, like, and that was the day that I think meteorologists said there weren't going to be any tornadoes or anything in the metro. They're like, metro, you're good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, th- it's, and it's not common for that to be an occurrence. I mean, the you know meteorologists, for all the flack that they catch around here, 
they're usually pretty on the ball as far as severe weather. Maybe yeah. they don't get everything right, but I mean, they typically know when something's about to break out. This time it was, I guess, just kind of an odd deal, but... It's pretty fair. Luckily, I mean, you know, definitely there were a few fatalities and all that. Luckily, it wasn't way worse. It could have been True. so much worse. True. Yeah, I've been just, uh, you know, we're podcasting from my back den at my house, and uh, we've been painting, so not everything is in its proper place but it looks good to me we're, we're, we're pulling it together we're, we're pulling it together and i was watching the first john wick before jack came over to a podcast so have you seen the first john wick i have not i haven't seen any john wicks everybody likes john wick though i mean even people who don't typically like uh, action movies i guess and it's i'm not a huge action movie guy so i mean just take my like, check it out keanu reeves in the matrix and how violent he is and add really like a lot less of the like interactive like computer plugged in yada yada bullcrap, and just like basically it's just him full go killing people out of cold blood. I mean like it's kind of sad at the beginning. I won't tell you what, what's going on, but like it's a uh, it's worth a watch. Like the entire movie, I was just saying like oh fuck, like every ten seconds. It was pretty good. I mean, I would recommend it. I uh, hear. Does he kill someone with a pencil or something like that? I, three I think people. Three people with a pencil. And there's three wow. movies, and of course the two that came out, and then there's the third one, right? Yeah, third so, one that's out right now, I guess. I might take my dad to see that tomorrow. It's there his birthday go. today, so. Oh well, happy birthday, Kamiar's dad. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I called him, and he was like, "I'm busy." I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> but let's get on to some defensive philosophy and recruiting on defense. We're gonna talk about a name. He who who he who shall not be named. Um, and then we'll get on to what. Oklahoma has currently. So, what are some of the biggest knocks on Mike Stoops' philosophy on defense, and then just his biggest knock on defensive recruiting? Oh, I mean, he was obviously too passive at times. I mean, you saw those, you know, 10 yards off the ball kind of stuff, rushing three. That doesn't exactly inspire confidence in your personnel as well, does it? I mean, you know, you, you tell your players to be aggressive and to make tackles and stuff like that and say, okay, let's take like, 10 yards off the ball and have three guys rush. I mean, that doesn't exactly send the right message, does it? No, it doesn't. And, and it's it's like you're already willing to give up ground. Yeah, exactly. Defense. I mean, and obviously the worst example was that was that Baylor game. Oh, God. In which Mike Stoops apparently was content to just give Baylor 12 yards every play. He kept on saying... Well, we kept on sending pressure, but they get the ball out before we get to them. Like, well, Weird how that happens in that kind of offense, yeah. in an offense that he's been familiar with since Mike Leach was at Oklahoma, so 15 years at that point. Just like, well, maybe if you put, I don't know, Mike, but if you put your defensive backs maybe a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, they wouldn't be wide open on out patterns and just hooks. Yeah. But, Try something new. <laughs> and that's when Julian Wilson was screaming at, screaming at him on the sideline and... All that good stuff. Well, something that I'm really excited about is that Grinch has a clear philosophy of what he wants to do in defense, and he has a clear philosophy in what he wants to do recruiting-wise. And um, if any of you guys got to read Alan Kenny's most recent post regarding Alex Grinch's philosophy on defense and how it can be boom and bust, I would recommend you guys go read that. But Alan pointed out really pretty clearly in the article that you know this defensive philosophy 
It's going to be very aggressive. It's going to frustrate people, even like Lincoln Riley. But at times, because of the aggressive fronts, because the one man or the one gap schemes, it can get you into a lot of trouble regarding run fits. Because Oklahoma, honestly, stopping the run, they've been pretty decent in the past. However, many, like <laughs> unless you like talk about Army, and that was just a shit show in itself. At least relatively decent. Yeah, yeah right. across the board. Yeah, but relatively, they've been pretty decent at stopping the run. Uh, and that's because you're at the two gap scheme. You're reading what the linemen are doing, and you're reading where the you're basically just like forming a huddle and figuring out where the running back's going, so you can contain him and let the linebackers finish him off. That's why Kenneth Murray has so many freaking tackles. Um, that's not the case anymore. And there's a one gap scheme. It's get up field as fast as possible. Now, what are the advantages of having a legitimate? defensive system because Mike Stoops didn't have a defensive system. No, I mean that defensive system. I mean you, every off season we were getting a different report as to what they were going to do. Oh, we're moving to the 3-4. They didn't move to they sometimes employed the 3-4, but I mean it, yeah. it, and then they said, "Oh, we're moving back to a 4-3." Not really. I mean it, it was it was never anything concrete. Do do you think that they moved to system? They didn't move to a system rather than they just moved to formation and scheme? Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was very frustrating from the outside, and I would imagine it was even more frustrating for the personnel who were never really settled, were they? I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, with that. I mean, it's it's that's got to be frustrating. So, advantages of Grinch just having a system in place. What are what are some of those advantages? Of course, I mean, and, and first off, I mean, Alan. A lot of people interpreted his article as saying like kind of like a like a negative thing. Yeah, and and it wasn't. He was you know just sort of pointing out what one potential downside was to it. I mean, if you followed Alan, you know yeah. that he is in favor of the approach that's coming in, like in in general, not necessarily everything, but I mean, in general, he, I'm sh- he seems to think it's a net positive, and I, I feel the same way. You yeah, feel oh, the definitely, same way. definitely. I mean, definitely an improvement, and especially from a cultural perspective. I mean, he's clearly got these guys being held accountable a lot more than Mike Stoops was, it seemed like, and I mean, it seems like the message is... is is getting across to these players much better, which clearly the message from Mike Stoops was not getting across to those guys over the past, you know, four or five years. And it was, you know, you could see that playing out on the field at times. And, right. uh, you know, I mean, obviously the attacking style and then obviously playing closer to the line of scrimmage for a defensive back, pretty much everything that you bitched about with Mike Stoops and that I bitched about with Mike Stoops and everybody else bitched about with Mike Stoops we don't get to complain about a lot of those things anymore because right. Grinch has sort of flipped the script there on a lot of things. I mean, it's it's going to be boom or bust. Like Alan said, I mean, you're going to maybe give up a few more deep balls. You're going to maybe give up a few more big chunks on the ground. But at, overall, you're going to be getting more stops more often, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, on average. I like there's, you're going to get more stops in... You get more stops in the form of actually three and outs. Yeah, maybe not a three and out, but you know you, you might a, give up the occasional big play. But those big plays were happening already, yeah. so who cares? <laughs> Getting them off the field, being aggressive, and those stops can come off the uh, in the form of a punt, right? Uh, yeah, like, of course, of course, that would that would be. And just obviously, all he's too stressing nice. the turnovers as well. And of course, so. the turnovers is where he's really just stressing putting the yourself in a position to create havoc and create turnovers more often. I mean, when you're emphasizing getting into the backfield as opposed to eating up blocks on the mm-hmm. defensive line, you're going to create more disruption. And when you create more disruption, that creates mistakes and that creates turnovers. Yep. So that's sort of the philosophy there. And I like it. 
It's going to be fun to watch. And the philosophy is that honestly the same mindset as Lincoln Riley, you might say. Is of that, course, yeah. He's the attack, defensive equivalent. I mean, attacking defense. You are not going to... You're not gonna, you know, slow down to the pace or play at the pace as what they want. The other team wants you to play. You're going to play at your pace, and there you're going to force them to react instead of you as a defense reading and reacting. The offense is going to read and react to you. So I, that's a really good philosophy to have, and it's a really nice one to take. But are there any disadvantages? to that style of defense that Alex Grinch is employing at OU? Well, kind of like what I said, I mean, you're going to give up a few more big plays probably. And, I mean, that will be frustrating at times. But it's a net positive. I mean, you saw what Washington State did in, I think it was, I guess it was 2017, the last year that right. Grinch was there. They had a defense that stacked up really well with defensive S&P Plus mm-hmm. and did it against, and did it while paired with an offense that's like Mike Leach. Yeah, a Mike Leach offense. Granted, Mike Leach's offense and Lincoln Riley's offense, there's a little bit of deviation there. But, I mean, it, it's Lincoln obviously isn't a traditional air raid guy, right. but it is a you know a high-pace offense, and you're going to run a lot of plays. Yeah, so it's, very- it's something that if you can figure out the formula there, which clearly Grinch did at Washington State, more power to you. And I think people are going to say, oh, man, we've got, you know, big play here, big play there, like occasionally, right? But I think if fans were to, or if you were to pull fans, maybe, outside of the stadium, or probably not outside of the stadium, but if you were to pull fans, that you said, hey, if I guaranteed you the Oklahoma Sooners defense would have more sacks, more tackles for losses, or more tackles for loss, I guess you might say, and more forced turnovers, but they're going to give up a few more big plays, would you take that over last year's defense where they had fewer sacks, almost turnovers were non-existent, and you gave up less big plays because you played over the top? I think people would take that trade because people were so uh, infuriated at how passive the defense seemed at times. Especially, I mean, the first three games of last season... You saw the defense attacking quite a bit. Yeah, it was you nice. You saw, uh, you know, Kenneth Murray and Curtis Bolton coming on blitzes quite yes, a bit. Downhill, a lot of downhill stuff, and it was creating a lot of disruption. And then it just kind of stopped. You know, I mean, it was yeah. it was frustrating. I mean, it, it's good things happen when you get pressure. Good things happen when you send people on a blitz. You know, it's. I mean, I, I think people would take that trade any day of the week. And I think part of the issue under Mike Stoops is he was recruiting athletes. He was recruiting athletic bodies that didn't necessarily fit a scheme and didn't really necessarily fit the IQ for what they were doing, especially when you're changing the system or the scheme what you're playing in every other year to where the players can't grow. Yeah. Like, think of Gary Patterson. This guy knows what he's going to do in a, in a 3-3-5 or a 4-2-5, whatever he wants to call it. That's basically what Grinch is doing anyways. But he, he is recruiting players, three-star kids, four-star kids, three-star kids. Um, a little bit of four-star sprinkled in some there. Some four-stars. And he has them understanding their role to a T, especially by the time they're a sophomore or junior, that this is the system you're playing in. This is not a scheme. It's a system. And... The players grow in it, and they become very good in that scheme, in that system that he's playing with. And under Mike Stoops, you you don't you don't have a system. You have a scheme switch every other year to where these players they can't learn and grow. So like people look at Ahmad Thomas and like, man, he didn't grow. 
People look at Stephen Parker. Man, why didn't he grow that much? Jordan Thomas. It's like it's mind blowing. Like, but it's like what happens when you change someone's position yeah, every year it's or like every to the spring practice. Fan, I mean, it, it, no one's going to develop. I mean, it's it's kind of like what happened with Reggie Smith a little bit. Yeah, he was at OU. He kept moving from corner to safety. True, and he never really improved that much in his time at OU, even though he had so much upside. And yep. it was you know, it was t- terrible to see. But it's similar when you're constantly changing defensive systems. There's no continuity. It's it's definitely frustrating. Yeah, so, so, so I mean, like some guy named Wilbur from like Beaver, Oklahoma, <laughs> is not gonna understand that. That's why Jim the Bob defense. From is, Katusa, yeah, yeah, they're not gonna understand. That's why the defense is not getting better. Like, yeah, they should just get better. They're getting older. Like no, that's not. Well, it's a that's how it's supposed to work. But if you're constantly switching things up, it's not gonna work. Mm-mm. Especially if you're switching the schemes and you don't actually have a system. Now, like, think of guys under Mike Stoops. That they just recruited because A, they had the star power, and B, they said, we'll figure out a fucking place for them to play. Ricky DeBerry was a five star in some facets. Yeah. Highly touted defensive end or linebacker. Jerry Definitely Montgomery. a bit of a beast. Yeah. I mean, Jerry yeah. Montgomery recruited him, and people were like, oh, sweet, this guy's going to get on the field. They never saw the field at all. Nope. And his dad was pissed. I don't even know where he ended up. Ooh, I think it was somewhere in Virginia. I, th- I thought it was Virginia, but I wasn't sure. And then I think VMI maybe. Let me look that up. You look at uh, Arthur McGinnis. I don't know what they're doing there. And that, and that Arthur McGinnis is just a late pull from Louisiana. Yeah. And then, but he's someone who seemed to have a bit of upside. He had, a, he had upside, yeah. and then he got big, like fat, yeah. big, and then it just didn't work out. And for Tim Kish, uh, Jonathan Michael Terry, he's a guy that kind of just like they just kind of threw in there. Uh, I don't know if that's a if that's a benefactor. Recruiting or... is a Towson, actually. Oh, he's a Towson? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Mark Jackson is another guy that he's from Cibolo, Texas. That's a that's a good program. And again, you've got the body type, you're athletic, but maybe not necessarily the highest IQ for what we're doing. And especially if we're gonna switch you around your position. Oh, we want you to put Will. Oh, we want you to play Sam. It does it, it's it's infuriating. And then, because remember Mark Jackson, he played in the Houston game in NRG. Yeah. And the biggest one of all, and could be a casualty for his draft stock, is Caleb Kelly. Yeah. It's, he was never, you know, he never found a role, really. I mean, he was he looked good at the Sam uh, at times. I mean, that seems to be. Air. Yeah, exactly. And that, that that's obviously his best fit in this new offense right. as well. But who knows if he's ever going to fill that role i mean obviously it's not gonna happen this year because athletic linebacker to a t he can get out and run he's a good rusher he's a good pass rusher um and he makes most sense at the sam yep but and they said all right we'll just we'll figure it out we'll make it work and he played at the sam his first year and as a freshman i wouldn't say he was a force to be reckoned with but he, he was, was def- against Auburn. <laughs> he was he was, he was, he was against Auburn, game, yeah. but he was definitely uh, he was definitely there to make plays. Yeah, and absolutely. After that, it was just like, well, we'll try him out at the will. Like, no, that's not his natural position. Like, what are you doing? And um, that's when they, of course, are trying to, trying to get their best players on the field. They're like, I don't know, just throw them on the field. Let's figure it out. It's not like NCAA where you can just plug and play, right? Like, of course. Well, they have this much this much speed, this much awareness. You know, it's not like that. Like, you have to learn something. And these guys, again. They're not growing because there's no system. They're switching up schemes, and they're just recruiting guys that to positions that they're not supposed to be playing. Like Kenneth Murray, the guy's not supposed to be playing Mike. Will he's supposed to be playing Will? Big Willie style. He's supposed to be playing outside linebacker. He got to campus because he came into campus a man. Yeah, 
And like, wow, this guy's physique is like incredible. Oh, by the way, you are going to play the most difficult position. You're going to be the quarterback of the defense as a true freshman. It's like, what? We're going to make you read things instead of letting you eat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's, but granted, I mean, at the time, didn't really have too much choice in the matter. True. I mean, obviously, OU was in that position, at, which it shouldn't Tay, have been in, you know. Tanner Dom- retired. John Culturi wasn't coming yeah, around. exactly. And Dominic Alexander reti- uh, went early. And uh, who, who else? Some, something else happened. Or am I, am I, I mean, yeah, Draper getting hurt, obviously. There's a lot yeah, of things it was, that happened. And it was just, yep, had to do it. And it's just, oh, man, it's so bad. So Grinch has a clear philosophy and a clear defensive system to what he's recruiting to. He knows he wants not big, bulky defensive linemen like Gallimore. And of course, if Gallimore comes along, or, you know, Gallimore is an impressive prospect. But if Gallimore comes along, uh, and Dominican Sue comes along, and Gerald McCoy comes along, no shit you offer him. Of course. But they're going to want the guys that are like Tyree Slot. They're going to want guys that are big, lean, you know, about 290, 295. That's what Alabama recruits, of course. Yeah, exactly. But they get the five stars that are like 320 that wreck everything. And they want those guys to be fast and through their gaps. And then linebackers, again, with the guys we're about to talk about in recruiting, are the ones that they're going to want. And then we've talked about this for so long. The defensive backfield. Big dudes. And the safeties, big dudes that are going to knock your head off. Cornerbacks. Really long, rangy guys. Like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, yes. Yeah, enormous. That you're going to have to throw passes over. That, also, honestly, you know, you can jam them at the line, a bump and run, press coverage, and ruin the timing routes. And then from then on, hopefully, if you've rushed five guys, you've gotten to the quarterback because it's a one-gap scheme. So it's just really nice to have a system involved. Is Do I expect the system to be great the first year? No. I mean, I don't think you do either. I think you expect it to be marginally improved, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you, I mean, if you move up, you know, twenty spots in S and P plus, I'd be for the first year, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, you know, I think that's what a lot of people like want to see wholesale changes and wholesale uh, turnaround. But you'll see marginal improvement, and yeah. I think you'll see. I think it's will be very obvious by the end of the season, especially with the way the schedule's set up, and it'll pay off with the way the schedule's set up. But I don't think people should come out and say, oh, yeah, we're about to force like three turnovers a game. Like, you need to you know, chill out. Probably not quite. Especially about this first round, this first few games. We don't know. It's like a test it's a pilot run. And you know? like we were talking about last week, I mean, I mean, Oklahoma did recruit a bit of star power on the defensive side of the ball over the last three years. Plenty of four-star yeah. guys. Yeah. But they weren't developed properly. And now a lot of them don't fit this current system. So you're back to the drawing board again as far as recruiting is concerned. So. <laughs> of course, yes, and uh, you know it, it's it's going to take a few years. I mean, you know, two or three years ago, we were saying, "Oh, well, we've got these new recruits in, so it's going to take two or three years for them to uh, get to where they need to be defensively." Obviously, a lot has transpired since then. So, no, now we're back to the two or three year mark, which is you know, one step forward, two steps back. But right. it, it's it was a necessary change, I mean, obviously. Just look at wide receivers. Just look at wide receivers. Jay Norvell didn't really... I mean, he had an eye for talent. He had he four did. star kids. And Sterling Shepard is always coming to OU. They weren't developing, though. I mean, but, Shepard obviously did. But, but they weren't developing them. Shepard is going to develop regardless because he wanted to be great. But... Jerron Neal never got that good. Jerron Neal was, was okay. 
But, I mean, they never developed the guys. Then enter Dennis Simmons. Kale Gendy goes from backs to inside wide receiver, which was mystifying to me, but whatever. And the recruiting, I mean, before this year, right? Because you can't say they're recruiting the same caliber of athletes after signing three five-star receivers. Of course, yeah. But the recruiting, three-star guys, four-star guys, and making it work. They have walk-ons that are producing much better former walk-ons, Nick Basquin and Lee Morris. Morris yeah. They're producing more than Dallas Todd and all those other big guys that they recruited. Every I loved Dallas Todd. Yeah, oh, I he was, was, he was I had a La Mirada in California. Cavill, too. He was yeah. another one. Like two big guys who just never developed at any point. Were both on campus for about a year, weren't they? And yeah, then, yeah, definitely. And it just you so you look at that and then you get two coaches that are gonna come in and develop talent and develop them. And you look at the walk-ons, and they're better than what those four-star guys exactly, were in general. Yeah. So it's a, it's the same situation. You get a new coach, they start developing, they start implementing their system, and Jay Norville can take his cigars to Nevada and whatever. That's it. But we can talk about some recruiting. Let's do it. People have no clue how many eyeballs are actually out there. I mean, like, so some people. Uh, we'll say like the count, like as far as what's actually out there is yeah. five, but you know, you had some guys waffling since exactly. then. It's what happens when you send the eyeballs out six months before you're expecting them yes. to commit. I mean, it's maybe, I mean, I'm not judging, but you know, maybe they should consider rethinking how they do that, but you know, whatever. I agree. It's, it's not really a big deal. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's whatever, but yeah, like I said, or like you said, we don't really know how many are truly out there right now. There are at least three because they're three. very recent. But. Yes, and that's the that's the frustrating thing because like the eyeball emoji thing as a fan, right, or as an onlooker, somebody on Twitter, general, like the eyeball the eyeball emoji from Lincoln Riley was fun when it first came along because oh, people course, would, yeah. people would commit like the same day or maybe exactly. the next day, but now it's like oh I got an eyeball em- emoji and they're not going to commit for three weeks or. Maybe ever. They have some visits in between now yeah, and then, so too. Then, I mean, so it's, then it's like, for the fan or for the common person, it's like, well, this is really fucking frustrating. Like, this is annoying now. So they might, like you said, they might reconsider, like, how they do that. Maybe do it a few days before. Maybe yeah. do it, you know, the day of. But it, like I said, it's not, it's only something that frustrates the fans. It, it's not really that. We can live. <laughs> we'll yeah, be okay. For, and it's, that's true. But like, uh, you know, it's... It is fun, though. It really is, whenever he does that. I mean, it creates a buzz amongst the fan base. I mean, it uh, helps cool. generate a little bit of you know buzz and momentum just buzz in general. Buzz amongst for, everywhere else. And buzz amongst recruits and all that. I mean, it's 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 a cool deal, for Cause sure. Because I have, I have Lincoln on, you know, hit for on alerts, you know, on mm-hmm. Twitter. And the only thing that he typically tweets out is the eyeballs. And the first thing, like, well, typically one of the first things I do is, like, I open my iPhone and I go to your name. I'm like, all right, is Jack texting me yet? And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, let me see. I'll do some digging. And typically, like through some back channels and through other some some more other people that are pretty great, um, you're able to find out. Yeah. Or you're able to find out what position group it is. Or you're able to find out. For the most part, you can find out who it is. Yeah. But you know, it's just like the digging. It's fun, but it's like, come on, bro. Like, like, oh yeah eyeball emojis but might not commit for three weeks like come on so anyways there are definitely three possibly five i'm sticking with three i think like jack said 
couple of waffled. Um, we mentioned name last week, Jacoby Covington. Yep. Possibly a waffler, which is I like. Pan- I like pancakes anyways. No, well, I kind of I'm a Waffle House loyalist. Are so, you? I, mean, I did, yeah, because I lived in Pensacola okay. and Tallahassee in Atlanta, so I was you know I was in the South. Okay. Which is obviously Waffle House country. Mm-hmm. If you're drunk, there is not a better place on earth to eat than the Waffle House, That's except true. for maybe Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dog is pretty good, and also you know. Fat sandwich, R.I.P. I've never been to Diamond Dogs. Oh, God. George Stoya talks about it all the time. Well, he, there's, for good reason. It's very good. Shout out to George Stoya. Yeah. We'll have to have him on again. He was, he's was he been on uh, past uh, incarnations of this podcast. So Yeah, George, George we'll can bring Diamond Dogs in. over oh. in the... Or we can do it at Diamond Dogs. Oh, That's we where he... We, we, we should do that. that. Yeah. We can drink there. It'll be fun. Yeah, they have a good margarita there. A margarita while eating a hot dog? Oh, yeah. Well, you don't really? have to eat a hot dog either. They have a really good onion burger, kind of like Tucker's. Oh, okay, it's pretty See, damn good. I've never been, so I don't know what they yeah. have. They have lots. They have lots of stuff. They have wings. I mean, yeah, it's good. No, oh, sounds good. Well, I feel comfortable with stating three names that I would say to keep an eye on. Not, not necessarily ne- that they're committed. Yeah. Not necessarily that they are one hundred percent the eyeballs, but I have three names I feel pretty confident in, and that you might want to keep an eye on. Seth McGowan is one of the biggest ones, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you only have to Google the guy's name and you see Oklahoma all over it. Yeah. And he's a four-star uh, running back, top 150 kid from Mesquite, Texas. Georgia, A&M, USC are all on him. Um, I got a chance to look at his tape. He's an upright runner, which they'll fix that. It reminds me of Kennedy Brooks, kind of the way he runs See, upright. I, I, I kind of, and I, kind of a little bit of Trey Sermon as well, because yeah. he does a bit of that. The way that he sort of runs in the open field like that, yeah. His sort of manner of cutting in the open field is very similar to Trey Sermon yeah. because he's upright a little bit. But uh, generally, he's very impressive, though. Oh yeah, of I mean, course. He, he's someone who would do just fine in this offense. And the thing that made me separate him from a. Kennedy Brooks to maybe like a Rodney Anderson kind of kind of guy is he's got very quick feet. Yeah, he's good in and out of his cuts. And Trey Sermon has a bit of that too. He's got some very good feet. And that's something that that's that's something that's new for Trey Sermon. Yeah, and that's something that Kennedy Brooks hasn't shown us yet. He's just showing us like he's kind of like a U-Haul. Like he just shifts it into gear and he just keeps on going. He, not a U-Haul, he, but it's like a Mack truck. Kennedy like seems that. to have perfect instincts. That's yeah. one of the things, and um, obviously also great balance, like otherworldly balance, yeah, kind of like. Almost like Quentin Griffin balance. Like he's about well, also as good. Like yeah, throwing defenders to the ground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you look at him and he's not like the most physically imposing back. He's not. He's not necessarily the fastest back, but he does so well in the open field somehow, and you can't quite put a finger on what specifically it is. The thing that I appreciate other about Kenny than that, Brooks is yeah. that he wears glasses in his all of his Sooners pictures. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really nice. There you go. You have that in common, then. That's yeah, cool. It is. But I compared him, like, he lacks patience on the offensive line developing their blocks, but what high school kid doesn't? Yeah, he'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, like, that's just something that you, you learn at the next level. I mean, oh, who was, wasn't it, it was Pete Carroll going way back, 2004. Pete Carroll, uh, one of the running backs coach at USC, was yelling at Reggie Bush, like, bro, like, let your blocks get let, let the offensive line set up your blocks so you can have an easier time running. And Pete was like went over to him was like, "Shut up! You would not tell a speeding bullet to 
slow down if yeah. you're just going to give a touchdown anyways. So you just let him do it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this isn't the case. Seth McGowan's not that fast. and uh, Not as fast as Reggie Bush. You are. But, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good back. And um, I would keep an eye on him. There's another guy, Jonah Monheim. He's a three-star kid, top 25 guard in the country, so still in the upper echelon of his position group. Six foot five, two eighty, with room to fill out from Moore Park, California. You know those kids when kids go to Alabama and Auburn. Both Alabama schools are hot on his trail. Kids' tape is stupid. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. Yes. He's, oh my he's, he's god. Nasty. This is the most Bill Beatenbow left tackle guy I've ever seen in my life. I've I, got a nickname already for oh. him, and, and people aren't going to like it. But, oh, God, what is it? Uh, you ever heard of Mannheim Steamroller? Yes. The Christmas oh, band? you freaking He's nerd. the Monheim Steamroller. People are going to be mad at me, I bet. but by God, I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> Do you think he's, he's probably heard that before, right? He's uh, pretty young. I don't know. I don't know if Mannheim Steamroller is still like a thing. I, f- I feel like you don't hear that. I don't tweet at you recruits, hear, uh, I want to ask him. I I don't know. I, we I don't know. We've got a. I, I'm trying to think of what the Christmas band is. Uh, the what's that uh, band that's always at the Chesapeake Arena every You're year? You're talking for, about a. Uh, uh, something orchestra. Say Trans Siberian Orchestra. Trans Siberian That's probably once, yeah. more his jam. Not so much Mannheim Steamroller that you had in like the 80s and 90s yeah. or whatever. The, Mannheim was before Trans Siberian. Oh yeah. And they were the same thing. Same thing, pretty much. Did you have you ever seen Chance Siberian Orchestra? No, I've heard it's pretty cool though. So, one time it's my first semester in grad school, and I had a paper that was due, and it was like during finals or whatever. Or you don't really really have finals in grad school; it's just papers being due. Yeah. And my fiance met me in Norman. Was like, "Hey, dress nice for class tonight." I was like, "Why?" And she's like, "Just do it." I said, "Okay." So she met me down in Norman, and I was like, "Okay, cool." Uh, let's go home now so I can finish this paper or studying. And she was like, oh, well, I got tickets to this. And it was, I planned to study that night and get a lot of crap done for this class. It was, I think it's, I can't remember what class it was. It was Dr. Kovaleski. So shout out to Dr. Kovaleski and at OU. And I was pissed. I was like, do you realize how stressed out I am, and it, it was bad, but we ended up going because I felt really bad, and it was a really amazing experience. So, if you can go, it's worth the experience. So, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Monheim Steamroller. Monheim Steamroller. If he ends up at OU. Like, he is nasty. He's, he's left tackle. I don't know if he'll play left tackle. I mean, he his foot speed looks pretty decent. He might end up playing a right tackle, but... The guy finishes plays to the whistles blown, mean streak. He reminds me of that blind of the blind side when he blocks the with Michael Ower, he in the movie he blocks the kid so far out of bounds, out of the end zone. He was doing that at the end of each play. Yeah. You saw a lot of that from, from uh, Creed Humphrey as well. And when it's like, oh my god, this kid he's just he's a bully. You you play until after the whistle, not until the whistle blows. You play until about three seconds after the whistle. Because we were we were worried about it's not it wasn't Nate Anderson who was the last offensive lineman was it Nate Anderson? Uh, Anderson Noah Nelson Noah Nelson that was one of the, my concerns was I mean he just doesn't have that mean streak and then this guy Jonah Monheim has a nothing but a mean streak and it's it's just really good and it's I don't know, I just I just really like it but the next guy Brendan Walker we talked about him before 
Bishop McGinnis, baby. Three-star, top 10 state prospect, outside linebacker, 6'3", 230. So, Going to get bigger, too. Get, he, can get, he can get to 245, I think, and not lose a step. Uh, what you, do you, you like his tape? Yeah, of course, and obviously we were talking about this last week, as well, or maybe two weeks ago. He fits Alex Grinch's system, too. Mm-hmm. He's definitely going to be someone in, I guess, yeah, the position formerly known as the Jack. Yep. Whatever it's called Rush, now. Rush, Rush Edge. Yeah, Rush Edge or whatever it is. But, yeah, he's tailor-made for that. And, I mean, he's someone who is still a little bit raw, too. I mean, he's very athletic, but he's, I mean, you would think that he's got a chance to be a four-star prospect by the end of his senior year because last year was his first, like, extremely productive year in high school. So, Yeah, and he's not being recruited by, he's really not being heavily recruited by many people. I mean, he's committed to Oklahoma well, State. He's he's got... A lot of attention, let's say, but Iowa not State necessarily many him. huge offers. Exactly. I mean, but OU, OU offered him, and he loved his visit to OU. I mean, I, I guess they made a really big impression on him. Yeah. And the thing I just noticed looking at his tape, because he's he's played defensive end. I hate it when he puts his hand in the dirt. He's very explosive off the edge if he's just standing there. Yeah, of course. Um. Get some momentum going. Yeah, oh, definitely. And he just blows up plays from the edge, and it's it's, it's nice to see you know a linebacker do that. Now, of course, he'd be in the jack spot. Of course, there's no really no Sam in the Alex Richards system. No, not really. So Caleb Kelly left out in that respect as well, even yeah. when he comes back. Poor so. one out for the homie. Yep. But we're going to talk about some more prospects not to move away from because I think I keep an eye on these guys too right after a break for our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys, today we're joined by Seth Oliveris. Uh, he is a Crimson and Cream Machine contributor and has been doing a lot with the softball team lately. Yes, he like has. a ton. And OU Softball, they dismantled Northwestern 8 nothing to advance to the College World Series per usual, seems like, lately. Um, Seth, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, uh, taking it easy on this fine Memorial Day. Yeah, we were just talking about what we were doing, and it all culminated to us saying pretty much nothing. It was probably the least eventful Memorial Day yeah. since I was, man, probably like younger, like like you know, <laughs> elementary school or something like that. I mean, usually this is a weekend to go to the lake or something like that. Yep. I had to work uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, Ugh. so that kind of put the kibosh on all of that, but... uh. You know, yeah, not really much to report on my end, yeah. Other than, you know, that and all the tornado stuff, obviously. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So over it. Was that two nights ago? That the I think it was, in, uh, yeah, I think it was Friday night, yeah. Friday, it, Saturday, it, I don't yeah, know. it was El Reno, and then there were random pop-ups in Oklahoma City. That, it was just wild. It's it all happened all of a sudden, days. yeah. It was middle of the night. Yeah, you know. no joke. But, on to some softball. Patty Gasso, 
I thought this was a really interesting thing that she brought up is that she likes the girls to celebrate. I guess you would call them women, not girls anymore, right? She yeah. likes it's, her yeah, players yeah. to celebrate, um, but she absolutely loves that they aren't like going crazy because it's an expectation of them to be in this position. And Seth, what does that speak to the culture of the softball team, to the program where it's at, and to the Patty Gasso herself? Yeah, I mean, ju- just judging from how she kind of approaches each press conference and you see her during the games, she's she's admitted that she's taken a back seat, especially with this group of seniors, uh, you know, Sydney Romero, Kaylee Clifton, Shay Knight, and Folly of Views, uh, because they, they, yeah, they do expect to have this, you know, they have this high standard of themselves. And yeah, even though, you know, they're, they're, they're doing things that no other teams have done, you know, the longest in season winning streak ever it's over now, but even that they, they'll, they'll say that they don't realize that stuff is going on. They're just all about winning and all about the present. And there was one funny thing that came up in the, after the super regional, someone asked, uh, I think it was Sydney, what the significance or where that came from, where they take the wall off the, that part of the wall off mm-hmm. and like take it to home plate and lay it down there. And neither one of the, none of the seniors up at the, on the desk could answer that. And Patty, she said that kind of bothered me that they didn't know. So apparently that's who started it was Kaylani Ricketts, who's a volunteer assistant mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and that started that tradition where they just take the piece off the wall and, and, bring it to home play and that's going to be where they add their next year on there but yeah they uh they don't do a lot of celebrating but they they more than just about any other team probably deserve to but yeah it's it's it's, it's pretty amazing to see just how it's it, the expectation not just from them but even from the fans too now it's like the expectation really is to not just win but dominate and it's not like they're being completely stoic either i mean they're they're clearly loose out there. They're clearly happy. I mean, it's yep. not like they're definitely. It's not like they're not celebrating because they're tense or something like that. I mean, you, did you get the sense that they're pretty loose and relaxed as well? Oh yeah, uh, I was sitting next to uh, who? I think it was uh, his name is Kenny, but um, I was sitting next to him during one of the games, and and he was talking about how how, how strange it would be if let's say like the football team danced as much as the softball team did during, during the like the breaks and stuff because like during any break they're always playing music and stuff in the building at uh, Marita Hines and sure enough like the whole team is out in the dugout or maybe even like crept out onto the field a little bit and they're like they're dancing they're just kind of goofing around goofing off having a good time and he, it was a good point that he made because yeah I was like you think of any other team like a lot of times like if you saw that you would think there's either not a lot of discipline going on or that they're just not taking anything too seriously. They're not taking it too seriously, but yeah, it's kind of refreshing to see that they're not just these robots that, you know, are all about winning and, you know, don't, you know, they, they still, you know, know how to have a good time. They don't take themselves too seriously, but at the same time they're, they're doing the most serious things out of it. You know, anybody else, I think it was a couple series ago, or not a couple series ago, it was early in the season, they either played Kansas or Baylor, I can't remember which one it was, and the Sooners, they'd only won by two or three runs, 
and the players they seen they weren't distraught of course but they were pretty upset and patty gasso i came out to the public and was like that's in it that's it's a testament to the team that they come in the locker room acting like they had just lost the game that they had just won by about three runs i think it was right before the big 12 uh tourney or championship or whatever it was because they didn't have the tournament yeah but yeah, yeah i think that was baylor i think it was against baylor it's like a seven to five game and it was just a somber atmosphere. So I think it's just a testament to the atmosphere that Patty Gasso has really created among her team just by ripping off all these successful seasons and having like Shade Knight and Sidney Ramiro and all these guys that won one as a freshman coming up as seniors because it's an expectation that they have. Um, OU plays Alabama next. And there have been classics between these two schools for the longest time, especially during this somewhat golden age of OU softball under Patty Gasso over the last six, ten, ten to ten years, um, what is the credence to that? And what, what I'm sure Patty Gasso had something to say about that. Um, yeah, as far as like uh, in regards to Alabama or just uh, just this kind of golden age and this dynasty that they've kind of built. Uh, Alabama. Uh, well, Pat Murphy, the uh, coach of Alabama, he. He's been there for, I think, just a little bit longer than Patty has been at uh, at OU. But yeah, both of these programs, especially OU's, but even Alabama, they're they're definitely, you know, of the in the elite echelon of programs. So it's it's only fitting, I think, that they're meeting up in the women's college world series. Um, it's kind of a shame that Alabama's the eight seed. Because I personally thought they deserved to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Alabama fans thought they were going to be higher, but um, you know they could they could end up playing more than once. But yeah, it it, it de- definitely seems right that you know both of these programs are you know, at the top of the uh, top of the level of this, you know, top of their games at this level of softball and you know meeting on the biggest stage now at the USC, USA Hall of Fame Stadium. And just by looking at what Alabama has, what the Crimson Tide have, especially with Texas, honestly, taken to a third game, how what's your confidence level at between the Sooners and the Crimson Tide heading into this game? Or, I guess, series? Yeah. Um, I think after the last game the, against Northwestern the, to clinch the Super Regionals, my confidence in this team is pretty high. Um, it was a little bit lower before that because obviously they had the loss to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and then they had the two zero win versus Wisconsin, and then a three zero win versus Northwestern. So it was it was almost just like you were just wondering where were the bats, where was the hitting because it was like Sidney Romero and then everybody else. And at this stage of the game, you're not going to get anywhere with just one one hot bat. So it was nice to see that they they finally looked like the team that they were for the majority of the season in their last game. So now I think taking that in and, and Patty Gasso said herself too, for the team, it's like a, bre- a breath of fresh air now that they got to OKC. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that a lot of softball analysts say that the super regionals is sometimes almost more difficult, at least mentally, because it's the very last step before OKC. And so everybody's, you know, on edge and trying to play, you know, perfectly and get that leg up on their other team. And 
So it, once they get to OKC, now they can kind of finally release the valve a little bit. So I'm confident that they'll show up and play well. And, and honestly, as far as like how Alabama performed versus Texas, which Texas, they're talented, but they definitely weren't playing at their uh, the peak of their game, especially after they lost Miranda Ellis. They came back to win that game, but their, their pitcher, Miranda Ellis, that uh, she got, you know, struck in the face. I don't know if you saw that. We definitely saw I don't know how you, like, that was, how you can be on Twitter and not see that. that. Was, I mean, like, did, was, was she, was the catcher seeing through the pitcher? Like, how, how did that happen? I, just I mean, it was just, she had a, she, she beamed her. I mean, it was, you know. Like, as a pitcher, you would have to have your, like, as a pitcher of baseball or softball, that's the one position that you must keep your head on a swivel the entire time where yes. they're throwing this ball at like miles an hour. And I'm glad she's okay. I mean, she yeah. had, you know, it looks like. You see the aftershot? Yeah, her lip wasn't in great shape, but I mean, at least, you know, her nose wasn't broken yeah, or something like that or like nothing like around the eyelid or anything exactly. like that. I mean, it could have been way worse, but, you know, it was uh, definitely a perplexing thing for. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely yeah. odd. So they didn't. It was a shame that she wasn't able to, you know, they they weren't able to have her um, for the last game, and and also they didn't have, I, I believe they don't, they only employed her once. Uh, I think her name's Shaylin O'Leary uh, for Texas, and I think she still statistically leads the nation in ERA. Yeah, she she does, hmm. but they didn't. They didn't. They used her a little bit, I think, in Game Three, but yeah, I think Alabama caught a big break with that and. It, and even with that, they still, you know, they only won, I think, game one convincingly. And then obviously game two was a loss for them. And then game game three still went down to the wires, an 8-5 finish in favor of Alabama. So I think transitive property doesn't exist in any sport. But judging from OU's sweep and all three-game sweep in Austin versus the struggle, you know, kind of a slugfest in Tuscaloosa, I think it kind of, you know, that that also works in favor of OU. So you mentioned Sidney Romero, and a long time ago, three years ago actually, Sidney Romero played her sister, Sierra Romero, who is at Michigan and who is also the player of the year. And Sidney ended up like hitting a homer and actually besting her sister, the senior, and that's the year they went on to win a national title. And Sidney Romero, this time, the other Romero sister, is she the player of the year? It's a. It's probably a good thing that I don't have a vote because I would definitely vote for her, and it would be out of pure bias. But I mean, just trying to be as objective about it as possible, it really is difficult to find a player that that is more consistent and timely. You know, timely with her hits and clutch, all that, all those good things that you want to say. I mean, she's just she's been there. She hasn't been off on her game this entire season and most of her career, but especially this season is definitely, she's, she's definitely making her senior season count, you know, compared to Rachel Garcia from UCLA who won it last year. And she's, she's a, the pitcher slash, you know, she's like one of their top hitters also, which is, which is really hard to be in the national player of the year race is when a player is both in the circle and at the plate and same with uh, James Madison's, uh, Megan Good, so I, I think, I think just because of that, a lot of voters kind of 
they, it's, it's almost like Heisman and quarterback. Like, if you're a quarterback, you just automatically have, like, the advantage over, like, a running back or a receiver. But uh, so, like, in, in softball, uh, that version is uh, the pitcher who can hit. So, obviously, Sydney Romero, she's she's at the plate. But she's she's obviously one of the best uh, defensive players, you know, as a third baseman. She's, she's just locked that down. Um, I would say that she definitely still has a chance. I think it's honestly a two-person race. But now that James Madison's uh, good is out, uh, not in the World Series, it's just down to Rachel Garcia and Sydney and – I don't know. I don't. I guess that that comes out. I think I believe tomorrow or the next day is when it's when they they announce. Um, but yeah, I I I, I think object, I think they're going to give it to Rachel Garcia, but my vote would definitely go for Sydney. Now, as far as Oklahoma's biggest challengers within this tournament, on the other side of the bracket, there's Washington, who beat Oklahoma twice last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Plain is still in the circle. Do you think they present the biggest challenge to Oklahoma in this tournament? After mm. what she did to Oklahoma's uh, lineup right. last year? I think if if you were able to talk to a lot of the players, especially the seniors, um, the OU seniors, you know, off the record, you know, away from any cameras or microphones, they could probably tell you that the team they want to play the most is Washington, or they would like to play the most in the if they were to meet in the finals is Washington but I think the team that's most capable of taking down OU this year is UCLA and not just because they beat them earlier this year which I think you can throw a lot of that stuff out out of the window um Giselle Juarez was just getting the camp she was only on campus for I believe less than a month by the time that game was played her relationship with uh OU pitching coach Jennifer Rocha was not what it is now and they're obviously a deadly combo um but yeah i think ucla definitely has the is is the top uh, top challenger for ou as as a team but the team that ou would want to play the most for both revenge factor and uh like if it was just going to be another team other than ucla is washington um the other teams are kind of i think i don't know kind of just playing for that next best spot I do think OU will will take this one over uh, Alabama. I do think it'll be. I honestly feel like this. I I kind of have a feeling it'll be a little high scoring, even though OU has shut out every opponent this this you know in this NCAA tournament aside from the two one loss to Wisconsin. Um, I, I, yeah, I think I think a lot of runs will be scored both ways, which will be exciting and also very nerve wracking. But I think. OU will come out on top. It's got a little, little a lot better pitching, um, definitely a de- deeper pitching staff. If they need to go, go to the, the bullpen for that. But yeah, yeah. And Bama fans, they travel well to this tournament every year. So you're going to have a great atmosphere on Thursday night <laughs> at uh, a lot of, Hall of Fame Stadium. I mean, a lot it's, of trailers. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, the Winnebago Army or whatever they call it. Yeah, it's uh Hopefully oh, there'll be Luzabagos after the game. A bunch of people like houndstooth stuff too. Yeah, you know, yeah. softball. Yeah, that's, that's the worst. That'll be strange, but I'm yeah, sure that like, I'm sure that Orange Bowl will be brought up a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> they were they were supposed to win that game. They don't get to gloat that much. They'll sure, probably yeah. just be salty about Tua not winning the Heisman. That'll be true. It. True, especially if they see Kyler. But I'm about Denver softball. What do you got, Jack? 
Oh, I think we pretty much covered quite a bit of it, didn't we? Well, Seth, thanks for coming on, talking to softball with us. If you guys want to follow Seth, it's a pretty simple follow. You go to twitter.com, go to at, and type in his name, Seth Oliveris, and you will see him, and he will appear. That's Seth, right. thanks for joining us. Appreciate you. Ain't no problem. It was, it was a blast. I love love talking softball, love talking OU, so it's all good. All right, see you later. See ya. Again, that was Seth Oliveris, at Seth Oliveris on Twitter. I mean, he's a really simple guy, really nice guy. Loves softball. Very polite, very easy kid to work with for sure. Definitely happy to have him at Crimson and Cream Machine. He does the uh, Hot Links article every day, and he uh, covers softball pretty closely, so he's definitely a valuable asset to us and a good dude. So let's talk about some other names that Oklahoma is definitely not done with on the recruiting trail. And some of these names are names to be looking out for, especially, you know, again, you don't know how many eyes are out there legitimately. You know there are definitely three. Could be as many as six. Could be as many as five. Nobody really knows. I don't even know if Lincoln Riley knows. He probably doesn't know, though. He knows better than we do. Yeah. So one of the guys that you need to be looking at just just because of proximity, duh, Andrew Rame, he's a four-star prospect. He's the number one state prospect from Oklahoma. He's from Broken Arrow. Number former th- OU commit as well. Yeah, former OU commit. Number the number two overall guard in the country, top seventy-five national player. He's getting offers from Georgia, LSU, and Michigan. The guy reminds me uh, just physical maturity, Creed Humphrey-esque as far as like how mature he is physically. Now, do I accept, expect him to start day one? No, but that's why Creed also got a retro year as well. Uh, did you see his tape? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Pretty, pretty nasty. Really athletic as well. Plenty of uh, experience pulling as a guard. Oh, definitely. And that's, Something you definitely need. That's going to matter a lot. He, he's 6'5", 285, and again... Can move. He's yeah. a guard. Yeah. And like Oklahoma's guards right now like 6'2", 6'3". Yeah. Not 6'5", about almost 6'6", six, six and... Fill out, fill out a frame. <laughs> unless, unless you consider Bray Walker to be a guard. No, like, oh, gosh, no way. That's not going to stand. So Andrew Rame is a guy that, I mean, I would just keep on watch just in general because he's committed to you before. Lincoln Riley has a very good track record with guys decommitting, letting them look elsewhere, and then them actually coming back. Especially if it's an Oklahoma kid. And yeah. he's he's been really tight with the staff. I would definitely still keep an eye on that one. This, this next person... This next recruit is kind of out of left field. A little bit. He plays 2A football in the state of Arkansas. When you watch his film, he is a large adult playing against children. (laughs) It's weird, man. There's one play in his huddle highlights where he's, you know, rushing the quarterback. The quarterback looks like someone from that Friday Night Tykes show. Yep. Like the helmet's too big and all that stuff. It it is, it's kind of hilarious. But anyway, he... uh, definitely fits the bill from a physical standpoint, and he definitely has a lot of athleticism there. But um, he's someone who would definitely be a nice get. He's the number one ranked uh, prospect in the state of Arkansas, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Blaine Toll, four-star guy, number one Arkansas prospect. He's top 15 overall defensive end from Arkey. He has, Ar- of course, he has an Arkansas offer. I mean, what kid doesn't from Arkansas? Ole Miss and Tennessee. He's 6'5", 244, and like you said, he's like, you look at the huddle films, 
the guy's playing in Podunk, Arkansas, but then again, that's just Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a, a legit, he's like a foot taller. Uh, his arms are as big as these other players' heads. And he's played quarterback, wide receiver, running back, tight end, outside linebacker, defensive end, and defensive tackle. In the film I've watched, he's played almost every single position on the field except offensive line. And just looking at the frame, my guess is he would pay, play Russian Jack Backer for OU. If that's, what, if that's what they're recruiting at. That, that would make the most sense. And to me, I can't know his potential until he goes up against guys that are at least like his size or his guys that are as fast as him because... I mean, Bray Walker, him playing 6A ball in Oklahoma, at least he had some competition somewhat, right? This guy, out of all of his highlights, and maybe they're just his highlights because those are the guys he dominated, but, I mean, it was just night and day, the comparisons of who Bray Walker faced weekly, like Norman North and the Mashburn to, Cole Mashburn to, Blaine Toll and all his small arky kids. So I don't know what the evaluation could be like there. Yeah, you just have to go with his physical gifts, which are many. This next one is one I feel very, very feel really good about, actually. Yeah, uh, Mar- someone who would fit the system really well. You would oh, yeah. think Marvin Mims, uh, four-star wide receiver, of course. Wide receivers are easy to come by these days for Lincoln Riley. He's a he's just at the top two hundred and fifty as far as being a prospect, but he is a. Wide receiver from Frisco, Texas, which is very familiar with the Oklahoma staff from Lone, Lone Star High School. Um, a couple of schools that are on him are both Arizona schools. Really, he's kind of flying under the radar. And he I doubt he'll fly under the radar after his senior season. He, and he doesn't necessarily wow you from a physical oh, standpoint. He's you know, 5'11", 160. He doesn't necessarily look that fast when he's running if he's got long strides very long strides that's so he he creates distance some separation from people but he's very good uh at anything you would ask for in a uh slot receiver namely finding holes in the zone yep so my gosh he's so good at finding holes in the zone that's what lincoln riley's offense and that's what these good wide receivers in lincoln riley's offense have been doing is that they look at the play progression and what the defense is doing just slip right into the empty spot, catch. But I just, it's just like the long stride will throw you off about how fast he actually is moving because you look at smaller receivers like Marquise Brown, Jalen Saunders, Sterling Shepard, all these guys look like their feet were going a mile a minute. And then you have CeeDee Lamb. He's a long strider. And this guy, Marvin Mims, like he takes long striding to a different level. Who was that quarterback that played at, oh, was it Ohio State? And he was he was the number one recruit for a long time. Terrell Pryor? Was it Terrell Pryor? Yeah, it was Terrell Pryor. That he didn't look fast, but my God, he had the longest strides to where he would just be moving. Yeah. That's no what, one was catching him from behind. That's what Mims reminds me of, his, his running style. But in a 5'11 package. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it, it's a little different from Terrell Pryor. But yeah, you, you watch him, his legs are quite long. Kind of like Kennedy Brooks. Yeah. Kennedy Brooks has long legs. He doesn't look very fast when he's running, but people aren't catching him from behind either. Yeah. And he plays inside and outside. My guess would be once he gets to Oklahoma, if he did get to Oklahoma, I mean, he's got an offer that he would end up playing outside. I mean, you think outside? I think he'd be playing outside just because I don't know if he's quick twitch enough to play inside. Okay. Uh, but those are some guys that are definitely names to keep eyes on the recruiting trail. There are some other names, some specifically some defensive guys, but 
you know, I really don't feel comfortable with enough tread on the tires to really mention them as of now. There's still a lot of work to be done for this staff because there's so many spots left open at this point. There's there's plenty of potential for this uh, recruiting class. I mean, it's something that could easily finish in the top ten, but there's mm-hmm. just there's just so many unknowns still at this point. Definitely. More than usual at this time of year, so I would say. Let's transition on to Oklahoma Sooners defense once again, but a specific player. And, you know, I had caught one of this a, w- a while ago, about three, four weeks ago, about maybe hearing news of this break, you know, in a couple weeks, and it happened to be about three, four weeks later, about Jalen Redmond, about what Lincoln Riley said about him uh, just a couple days ago, right? Saying that, is he full go? Not necessarily, but... But is, should be in the summer. Is he going to be a full participant in summer ball? They expect him to, and they'll still monitor him closely, but they're very excited for what he can do. And, my, like, my God, as soon as I saw this, I mean, like, as soon as I heard about, heard about it, I was like, okay, I'm going to pump the brakes. I'm going to wait to see if Lincoln says anything or Benny Wiley says anything because Benny Wiley knows him best. He's yeah. the one that is and with he's going to be the, yeah, the one who's going to be working with him in the summer and keeping an eye on him too. So And um, I, was, I was like, just sit on this information and wait till anything else comes out. And then Lincoln Riley says, well, he's going to be a full participant in summer ball and everything looks to be good, but we'll keep on monitoring the situation per normal, right? And immediately I start getting out pen and paper and – looking at what possible depth charts could look like and what possible formations could look like in a 4-2-5, whatever you want to call it, 4-2-5, 3-3-5 defense with him as the rush edge. Because then all of a sudden you're looking at Ronnie Perkins as like a defensive tackle slot in. Yeah. And what does a a healthy Jalen Redmond do for that defensive front seven? I mean, he provides the best pass rushing presence, at least as far as uh, his ceiling is concerned. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I mean you're you're talking about a guy who can make as big of an impact as maybe someone like Eric Stryker did. Oh yeah, I mean I mean he's and he's much bigger than Eric Stryker. He can as hold well. that he's, edge. He can hold that edge, and he's he's someone who could just as easily put his hand in the ground as well as stand up, which is something that's demanded of that position. You saw Oboe do that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's a big if with his health, even with this break, right. you never know what can happen. I mean, last year. They thought he was in the clear, and then he wasn't. Right. It can happen like that. You know, so... And if someone like that is consistently creating disruption, that makes it so much easier for these defensive backs. It opens things up for the other people along the defensive line, opens things up for the other linebackers. It's going to help create more turnovers, which is obviously what Alex Grinch is trying to do. It's... If he is full go this season... Especially it, in a one-gap it, scheme. enormous. Like, you get Jalen Redmond, and he already knows where he's going before the snap. Yeah. Not having to guess, okay, what's the offensive line doing? Where's the running back going to be? He's just going. No, it's full go for all down linemen or jackbackers. This is my gap. I'm going to burst through it, and he's the guy that can bull rush you. He's the guy that can finesse you. And he's only been playing football for like three years. Yeah. I mean, hell of a basketball player, oh, Midwest yeah, City. Right, exactly. He's a hell of an athlete in general. And uh, he came to campus raw, but, I mean, my God. The guy just, you throw him out there last year. Yeah, you saw him in, you know, two games of action and last you say, year. Oh my gosh. TCU and Kansas State, and he, he, might he be, was a difference maker immediately. He might be the second best player on this defensive line. Yeah, it was wild. Already. Yeah, and, and you just saw limited snaps from him. So if he's a full go already, Alex Grinch's job gets easier. Yeah. Absolutely. And so does Kenneth Murray's job, and so does Deshaun White. 
of course, yep. And I guess Caleb Kelly is ahead of schedule on his injury. Yeah, I mean, you you could theoretically, with Caleb Kelly, see him maybe in the Big 12 championship game or a bowl game, something like that. You know, if he truly is ahead of schedule, you don't have to burn his red shirt. You could let him play. I think it's up another, to him, though. It's up, Oh, of course, yeah, it's up to him. But, I mean, if that seems like it's something that would be on the table for him. Definitely. If he so chooses or right. if OU so chooses to put True. him out there. So that's nice. Yeah. I'll tell you what's not nice. A guy named Art Bryles. <laughs> no, he is not. Nor is Mount Vernon ISD. Yeah. Gets a job at Mount Vernon ISD in East Texas. And I, I Google Maps this place. I have never heard of Mount Vernon. Heard of Mount Vernon, New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I go to the Google map. Heard of George Washington Mount Vernon. And basically this thing's in the middle of nowhere in East Texas. It's kind of like maybe a 30, 45-minute drive from Paris, Texas. But it's just in this area of East Texas that's close to Oklahoma, Arkansas, in Shreveport, Louisiana. So it's kind of near Texarkana, I guess. Basically. Like, yeah. And it's just... So pretty backwoods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what are, you, what are your thoughts on him? First of all... Where no, to no, no, begin? No. What, <laughs> are your, what are your thoughts on Mount Vernon? Okay. And then on our Bryles. Obviously... Because we knew our Bryles was going to get back in the... He wanted to get back in the... One thing game. that goes without saying, obviously, from a ethical, moral standpoint, this is abhorrent. I mean, it, it's... And yeah, I don't really have the words for that. But beyond that, what is the payoff for Mount Vernon here? Win some games. Okay, you see, exactly. But, you know, even if you get to, like, the pinnacle of whatever tiny division of football they're in, who's going to pat you on the back for this? No one. I mean, you're the... You're a pariah now. I mean, w- yep. what, what were they thinking? I, I don't... Maybe Outs- to get I mean, more people out to the games. I, I mean, you you would think that people would lose interest, but who knows? I mean, I guess you know, football in Texas, Friday Night Lights, all that. Who the hell knows? They'll, but I'll. <sighs> because I feel like at one, I think we all knew at one point he would get back into the game, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's a matter of who. Whoever did it was an asshole, obviously. <laughs> you know. And then what better than I mean the. I mean, there were a couple of people who tinkered with it, and then, yeah. and then they were like, oh, my God, we're getting PR blowback for this. Oh, my God, who would have thought? Yeah, God. And then they backed out, obviously. Like, And then uh, I guess this little school in northeast Texas is going with it. I mean... It's just unbel- it's unbelievable to me. And, I mean, the guy is, like, almost seen as a god in Texas high school football. Yeah, not so much anymore, but yeah. Not anymore, right? Yeah. And, I mean, it just takes one. And the next thing you know, he's going to get a bigger job. And he's going to be an OC somewhere. And then he's going to be back in college football, I guarantee Hell, I mean, Dave Bliss got a job at Southern Nazarene for yes, a little exactly. bit. I mean, it's... It's, uh... it's going to happen. And it's, it's like, we were just rooting for it, against it for so long that it finally happened. And we're just like, well, there it is. And we're disappointed. Because we wanted him to not ever have a coaching job ever again to, to, after he enabled all that stuff down in Baylor. Yeah. And after they wore all those shirts that were like, oh, no, it doesn't mean Coach Art Bryles on our shirt, hashtag at CAB, means champions are built. Whatever. Worthless. I, I, I hate Baylor. I oh, really gosh. do. They're the worst, but their stadium's cool. Their stadium is cool. And, and, and to their credit, most of the people who... 
we interact with who are associated with Baylor good pe- are, are good people and who yeah. do not support our brows and do yes. not enable our brows. I'd agree with that statement. But they're always there's that little pocket of yep. Baylor people oh, yeah. who are just completely tone deaf and are still they're like, Well, he was cleared of all wrongdoing. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> he devised a system to be to he devised a system to have it to where he would be the last one to find out Exactly. If anything bad were to happen, such as what happened on Waco's campus at Baylor. So like if you can't you know, see that he was largely responsible in enabling of the toxic environment there, I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that simple. So I mean Sean Oakman was cleared. There were dozens, but if there not more, who more. were not. But there are others more, exactly. <laughs> so people are like, well, Sean Oakland is clear. Like, well, did you look at the, all the other ones? Yeah, Maybe. I mean, that's an outlier. So, yeah, just, I'm done talking about our brows. He's a piece of shit. Yep. What is not a piece of shit? NCAA football. The NCAA and the A sports, they're actively like, investigating the legality the ncaa may be potentially trying to do the right thing here and letting bring it back and, and well and letting players capitalize on their image and likeness that too i understand if you're the ncaa or a member institution if you don't want to give out like a salary as far as like oh, paying yeah. players or That's something fair. like that i get it whatever but for the love of god let them make some money on the side what, yeah. Like, I don't understand the point of not... I mean, I guess from the NCAA's standpoint, right. they're trying to protect their non-profit status yeah. and their tax-exempt status, God. and they think that this would throw it into a mm-hmm. funk. So I get that. But it seems like they're trying to figure something out here, which would be good for everyone, even just outside of the context of the video game. I mean, we're not talking about Rhett Bomar and J.D. Quinn money, right? Yeah, exactly, no. We're, we're talking about just, like, a, a small check you would get here or there, to, like, just to help along with college. Because, yeah. like, yes, do If you want to make some money off of signing autographs, go for it. Do, do they, do they get, do they get, you know, a lot of... And maybe give them a bigger stipend, things paid obviously. For? Do, they, do, do they get as, a lot of things paid for as student-athletes at the University of Oklahoma and sure, other places? Sure, but it, it's not... Yes. It's not proportionate to how much they're worth to the university. They're making yeah, the well. university so much more money. That's just like when you go to the mall or you go to whatever and see jerseys, and there's been a number one for the past however many years that, like, oh, that clearly is meaning to be sold at a $75 price for Kyler Murray and now Jalen Hurts, but it just says a number one. So it's just a random number one, just like number sixes were sold but not because of Baker Mayfield, just because, oh, the number six was popular that year. Like, they know what they're doing, and they're turning a profit on it. And the players deserve that. And honestly, NCAA football, like, I still have an online dynasty on my 360. That's the only reason why I have my 360. And NCAA football on Xbox, PlayStation, whatever you want to play it, makes college football fandom that much more better. I think we talked about this one time. I think... One of the reasons, obviously, recruiting would be a big thing no matter what for college football fans because the future is inherently more intriguing than the present. Mm-hmm. So recruiting is a big deal. But I think part of it was the NCAA game and the dynasty yep. and the recruiting yep. feature there. I think that sort of oh man impacted the culture of casual fans yes. following recruiting. So 
I mean, that's that was a big thing for that. I mean, wouldn't you say? Oh hell yeah! Like I, I would what, say that had a huge what, impact on it. What are like? What are some of the things like? Because we haven't seen this game because it, it came out and it came out in the summer of 2013. Yes. But they, of course, called it 14. So it's yeah. been six years, and that just means uh, the last time a bunch you know like seniors that just graduated high school, the last time they ever saw this game was in sixth grade. You know? Yeah. I was well. I'm turned 28 in July, so the last time I saw the, a new version of this game. I was just old enough to drink, you know, yeah. legally. And so it's just like, there's so many things that could change between now and then as far as features they could add. Like, what are some things you would add to this game? I would talk Ooh. about, like, the recruiting in general. Bagmen, maybe? Fun. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, modern recruiting. You, a guy, because in the old version, once a guy's committed, he's done. That's not how modern recruiting works, as Oklahoma and other schools have seen, a la Jacob Phillips. But no comment. No comments. <laughs> but when somebody gets committed, it's over. That's not modern recruiting. So there are thing there are small things like that that are like that would change for the gameplay for today. Like that's that's one big thing I would change for the NCAA football games. Would there be anything else that you would change? Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, one thing would be adding FCS to it. I think that would be pretty cool. Okay. I mean, there are FCS yeah. schools in, I think it was the PlayStation version that yeah. had, like, the actual schools. And then I think it was, like, in the Xbox version, it was, like, a it was like, FCS yeah. Southwest yeah, or was, something like stupid. that. It was stupid. It was stupid. But I'd love to um, play, like, as an FCS school. Yeah. I think, and have, like, the playoff and all that stuff. I think that would be kind of cool. I think it'd be, like, I think it'd be cool to also play, like, Almost as a uh, like like two K has GM. Yeah, you play athletic director, and you control like who what coach you hire. Yeah, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, special team coordinators, staffers that you hire, and then but you have your hands in on everything else as well, including the gameplay. Like my like like real GM, my GM, like you have my AD or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. That would be freaking awesome. And then you could bring you know like. You could show up shirtless with a sledgehammer to the college football playoff committee and talk about why the Big Ten sucks and why the Big 12 deserves representation. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of other stuff. That's what I would do with Joe Casimiano. That would be cool. I'd just show up shirtless with two sledgehammers and tell the SEC they can't have two teams in. <laughs> um, let's see. I mean, of course, other than just like, modern advancements in gameplay as far as yeah i mean i guess we haven't had the uh the game since the college football playoff came around so that'll yeah, be a nice exactly. little feature to it um oh god the transfer portal oh, that's gonna be so god. great that would be awesome oh like, man because in at the end of the season it's just you'd be like oh are there any transfer requests yeah. oh yes you can come transfer to my school instead of let's check the transfer portal yeah that's gonna be cool oh man and alan kenny who just did a podcast over you did a good Transport, job with it. Yeah, he had Max Olsen on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was some Check that out. Check it out. But, oh, man, I really want them to get this game up and going. Ooh, yeah. Because it, it might be a few years, but... I can't wait. It's going to be fun. It's going to happen, too. So, we're getting towards the end of the podcast, but we'll talk a little bit about some media. Yeah, some things you like to watch. Like, when Jack came over, I was watching John Wick. Never seen it before, but it was enticing and then some other things that are hilarious to both of us football movies i wouldn't maybe maybe not top three football movies of all time but 
What are three of your favorite football movies? I like the original Longest Yard. Okay. That was a good one. And I, I, I like the new Longest Yard, too. I thought that was pretty good. Better than I thought it would be. But um, Yeah, especially with Sandler. Outside of those ones, I remember the Titans, obviously, is a good one. I hate The Blind Side. I oh, hate wow. that movie. Why? Uh, the movie should have been about Michael Ower's struggle with adversity mm-hmm. and his overcoming that. Instead. Instead, it was a movie about Sandra Bullock being a rich lady who got to feel good about herself. She yeah. should not have been the protagonist of this film. But it should have been Michael Ower. The movie would have been so much darker, you know. And there are some other, you know, complaints about it. I won't, I won't ramble about that on this podcast. But I, it's. I agree. Oh, oh one other thing <laughs> that I find funny to this day: the coach of this high school. Uh, yeah. It, in real life, his high school coach was Hugh Freeze. Really? Yes. In the, at that high school, yes. And, you know, at the time, you know, as recently as a few years ago, I was like, oh, they were painting this coach as some incompetent rube. Turns out Hugh Freeze is an incompetent rube, but now he's at liberty. But uh, Oh, my gosh. When I was in Louisiana, you know how they add, the, like, the French yeah. ode, everything? Yeah. I went to, like, one of their Winn-Dixies or whatever it was. I don't know. Yeah, Winn-Dixie's big down there. They had these purple shirts with gold letters that said "Go," of course, G E A U X, and then O, and then it was O E A U X for Coach O. Ah, I like so that. It was the worst. I do like it, Ogeron. Really? I mean, yeah, he's funny. Go Tigers! Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah he's funny. Go Tiger. But I mean, when 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 that movie came out. Because they interviewed... He was the Ole Miss coach. In, exa- yes. Because yeah, they, they interviewed all those coaches. You know, old, the coaches were recruiting. Yeah. And Houston Nutt was there. It was a very Disney recruiting Orgeron was there. <laughs> I think Hugh Freeze was there. Houston Nutt was there. Uh, he, for and, Arkansas, uh, yeah. Yeah, Nutt was there. And then Saban was there, yeah. right? Yep. And... Phil Fulmer, yeah, I too. think, like, almost all of them, by the time the movie released, almost all of them... Were different schools. Were at different schools. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was supposed to be where they were that year. Yeah, of course. So, like, just so funny the year, how the, yeah, it's exactly how yeah, coaching, coaching carousel so, worked yeah, out exactly. But you know, I'll go with. I really like Remember the Titans too. Yeah, that movie's like nineteen years old. Oh God! Yeah, that makes no, no, sense. No, it came on ninety. Came on ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah, I remember singing Stoop, theaters. Yeah, Stoops took his national title team to go see it before they won. Or no, it came out in two thousand. Yeah, Stoop took Stoops took his national title team to go see it like the night or two before the Orange Bowl before they beat Florida State. Oh wow, that's it's, awesome. It's a ni- nineteen years ago. I'm trying uh, to think of I. God, I'm, I, I don't I, necessarily like. I know people love sports movies. Sports fans do. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like that many sports movies. That's fair to say. So, I mean, I I like some, like, sports comedies, I guess. Like, uh, I like... Semi-Pro. I like, oh, I love Semi-Pro. I, I'm not huge on Semi-Pro. I love Caddyshack. I love okay. uh, Tin Cup. Mm. Love Tin Cup. Um, trying to think. Yeah, as far as football movies... What about... How about Any Given Sunday? It, it's okay. It, okay. It's... I mean, it was kind of... It was a bit of a smut film. I mean, it, a bit, it, in a, a bit, way, it was a kind bit. of... Trying a little too hard, it seemed like, but it was a good movie. I mean, Willie Beeman would definitely fit in today's NFL and college football way more than what the other guy would. What was the athletic quarterback? 
Um, I'm trying to think of the movie about college football. Uh, what was it called? Blue, not Blue Chips. Not Blue Chips, but the the college football equivalent of that film. That was a disappointing film. Some people like it, but it wasn't very good. And then, Blue Chips was a good film. I'll go with the classic. Sean Astin, Rudy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Rudy's my number one, actually. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how I forgot about that Rudy. That, yeah. I'm... Rudy Rudiger. I feel like I'm banished as an Irish Catholic for overlooking until that. Joe but, uh, until Joe Montana came out and was like, they didn't chain his name, it's all a lie, it's all fake. Yeah, they didn't carry him off the field and all that, but yeah, like, still, uh, it's like, oh God. a lot of it's real. I mean, Merv Johnson yeah. played a big role in that. Yeah. Just, but, just uh, like, why are you going to be an asshole, Joe? Just like, let, let everybody watch the movie in peace. Oh, well, yeah. But, something official came, it, it, it was not official official, but it seems Pretty the ball's likely. rolling. <laughs> it, it's not a done deal, but it's yeah. Like you said the ball's rolling. Brew McCoy. He enrolled at USC. Highly touted wide receiver, five star kid. Announced at uh, one of the All American games. Yeah, too, five star yeah. kid out of modern day. Uh, enrolled at UC, right? Yeah, enrolled there. Yeah, he was there. <clears throat> then decided to transfer down to Texas. And now, subsequently, after experiencing maybe some sort of death camp from Tom Herman is going back to USC. And the that was, standards, probably. And that's they, they announced that. The, the Rivals guy for USC announced that. Like, yeah, he's expected to transfer to USC back, back tomorrow. It's so hilarious. It is funny. And there was a tweet from Anwar Richardson as well that is a tad ironic. Oh, and is, was this the one Alan responded yes, to? Yes, it is. Yes. I love Anwar Richardson. I don't have a problem with Anwar, but he tweets, uh, I'm guessing Texas might have an issue with USC recruiting one of its scholarship players. Ironic, no? I mean, (laughs) considering the past circumstances as of like three months ago. Yeah, Alan Kenny, so funny. He quotes that and says, the irony, because like that's exactly what Texas did. And then tweeted, I can't believe he was serious when he sent that tweet. That's so funny. God. Alan from the top rope. And so we were talking about this before we recorded, I think. And is that more impressive or less impressive than what Duvante Lampkin did failing Spanish in order to go back to OU? Well, the oof, kind of apples and oranges, but... Because uh, they're different it, situations. Yeah, different situations. But, like, oh, the Lampkin thing is legendary. But Lampkin was... You know, he's someone who OU and Texas both wanted quite a bit, but he wasn't the profile of recruit that Brew McCoy that's, that's, is. That's right. And it's not like Lampkin... I mean, this is... I don't know if this is unprecedented, but it has to be unprecedented for a player of this stature to enroll at one school, go to another school, and then go back to that school within oh, yeah. the same like semester, essentially. So funny. So funny. Yeah, pretty wild. I'm enjoying pretty funny. it. And, and the, he's a damn good football player, too. I mean, he's there's a reason he was... He could be a five-star prospect at receiver or at linebacker. Oh, the I Texas mean, he's, he so is angry great. Right yeah, they're acting like they're not angry. They're like, oh, well, we he's missing out on the future of Texas football. He's the reason you were blabbing yeah. about the future of Texas exactly. football. I mean, it's... Uh, we whatever. didn't need him anyways. We're going to be really great. No. Probably no, not. Probably not. But it's about all I got. You got any plans for this week and weekend? I will be covering the Women's College World Series at Hall of Fame Stadium in Oklahoma City, and I can't wait. I've the last time 
I was there. I wasn't actually in the stadium. I was like volunteering for the All Sports Association, mm-hmm. like uh, carrying around an iPad and getting people to sign up for stuff. Now I'm going to be covering the tournament. That's going to be pretty cool. I can't wait. It's quite an event. I it, we should. We're both Oklahoma City guys. Yeah. We should never take this kind of thing for granted. This kind of thing being in our city. This is a big event, and it's getting bigger, too, by the way. Like, softball is getting bigger in stature. I mean, this is becoming a major sporting-slash-media event. People really like to tune into this kind of thing. People are finally, across the nation, discovering how entertaining softball is. I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah, and and it's just, it grows bigger every year, and... Do you sit outside or are you in a press box? I'm not sure. I, I, I'm I'm not sure what... They said something about how availability for the inside press box is limited. Uh-huh. I don't know if they're going to give priority to people who are covering the team that's playing at the time or right. something like that. I'm going to imagine that it's going to be a little bit of both for me. I bet I'll be inside the press box for maybe OU's games, but... Bring the sunscreen. God, I'm... I'm I'm so pale. I catch on fire if I'm outside for like 10 minutes. It's going to be bad. I've had some of the worst sunburns that any human has ever had. I I think the worst I've ever had floated the Illinois River out in Tahlequah. No. And my back was to the sun the entire time, and I forgot to bring sunscreen. So bad. Literally, my entire back was a blister. One blister like a humpback of notre dame like in like full of like fluid and all that it, oh it was, gross oh, yeah. disgusting really, yeah i'm sorry uh, yeah sorry about everybody that. just stopped listening yeah, to the just podcast. stop listening but like uh <laughs> yeah brutal so like anytime like i get sunburned and people are like wow jack you look sunburned i'm like this ain't shit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> i've had so many horrible sunburns i'm i think i can count way 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 too irish to be out in the sun yeah. i've been sunburned like less than 10 times my entire life <sighs> It's the, natural, it's the it's the complexion, yeah. Yeah. The olive skin that it helps, you know. I, I do not have that benefit. It's, really, uh, yeah. I'm full of freckles, all that stuff. I'm not a ginger, but I'm for all intents and purposes. Yeah. I suppose I'm a ginger, even though I don't have red hair. Yeah, it's the Irish thing. Yeah, definitely, Western European. It's got yep. that, you got that skin, man. You yeah. got that skin. Well. I think that's gonna close our podcast talking about gingers and soft skin. <laughs> it's a good note. Yeah, it's it's a great note. So follow us at follow us at crimsonandcreammachine.com, which is brought to you guys by SB Nation. You guys can follow Jack on Twitter, usually at CC Machine or J Larry Shields. Me, Kami and Robbie, and I'm on Boomtown RW. Follow Alan Kenny, Alan Kenny at Blade at Blade and Homerism and fellow this, SB Nation podcast. Yeah, he's really, really great. And his his podcast with Max Olson about the transfer portal was pretty good. And I want you guys to all listen to it because it's pretty great stuff. And just really any of the articles he drops. And then of course Seth, who was with us earlier today, just follow Seth at Seth Oliveris. It's pretty simple. And we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, any podcast app kind of really imagine five stars baby give us five stars and we will give you five stars in our hearts and we will check you guys later